Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and this is, of course, a journal episode uh, from the car. Um, Today, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this idea of incarnations within one lifetime, within one human body. Uh, Before we get into that, um, so my plan is this. Book three, uh, I realize there's more that I want to write. I'm very excited about it. Um, but what I think I'm also going to do with this, and I would love to hear from some of you, that I'm going to also release it as a book and as a podcast. So the series, it'll be not just where before I would read and explain and things like that. I'll probably do that like I did in some of those past episodes, but I'm also going to just release because some of it is just writing about the mind and karma and all this stuff. And um, that would be the episode is the reading of that chapter. So um, that's my plan. That's where I'm at. And that would obviously not happen while I'm driving. So um, last time I talked about the allegory of birth and death that, you know, um, the richness of a lot of these spiritual texts, uh, namely the Gita, um, the Ramayana, like, for instance, when the Ramayana, like, when I would read it, uh, you know, it's a, I, a lot of these books, I, uh, early on, I would read them just because I knew, you know, when you decide you want to, like, trudge this path, right, um, you, there's all these books that you know you're supposed to read, right? It's like you get into music, and there's certain records that if you're going to be a musician, in my opinion, you should just have this record. You should know what this is. You should have at least heard this. Okay. Uh, um, there's a lot of records like that, like pet sounds, you know, like when I got into recording my own stuff, I bought pet sounds in the white album and I only listened to them with headphones for fucking months before I listened to them even without headphones. Um, so these texts, I would just read them and I couldn't, I wasn't really at a place where I could decipher them or really understand them. And you know, to be honest, like depending on the teacher you're with is kind of how you're going to get it. Uh, the way the Gita was explained to me early on was, you know, very literal and the Ramayana was very literal and, you know, Hanuman was, you know, it, it, and who knows, it, it really doesn't matter if it's real or not, right? If it's a factual thing. I used to say all the time about the Mahabharat was that this is either a true story or it's just the worst fucking story ever written. You know, like, it's like, this is just long for no reason. Um, but there's a lot of stories within the Mahabharata, and that's why it's such an interesting and valuable epic. But you look at something like the Ramayana and you read it and it's, it's this wild story. And, you know, <clears throat> what I got early on from like something like the Ramayana is that like, man, these bad things happen. Like, for instance, uh, Ram and Lakshma and Sita are uh, the reason Ram essentially gets exiled and they follow him is because, um, you know, of some dark, nefarious, bitchy goings on with uh, one of uh, his dad's wives, right? Uh, And actually not even because of his wife, but because of like one of her, I don't know, assistants, fucking handmaidens, whatever the fuck it is. Like these people that... um, uh, like this woman's advising her and this woman is afraid to lose her station as one of the servants. 
So she implants these really bad ideas and thoughts into the minds of one of the king, into the mind of one of the king's wives, uh, you know, and because the fear was like, man, if Ram becomes king, then your son's going to take a back seat and that's not fair. And really the, the servant was saying that because the servant is afraid that she's going to also have to take a back seat. So there's all this like bitchy little nefarious things going on that end up getting Ram exiled. But if it hadn't been for this thing, then the ultimate evil of Ravana wouldn't uh, have been um, defeated. And good Dharma, really, wouldn't have a chance to prevail. And when I really, like, man, that really is a lesson that, like, everything is completely lawful and, and it's all very purposeful and you might not see it at the time and yada yada but then you start <clears throat> you know the way it was explained to me was you know Ravana represents the ego um, and Ram represents the soul um, and Sita represents the heart I can't remember what Lakshmana was uh, what Lakshmana was <laughs> uh, but Sita represents the heart and Hanuman represents courage and how the ego steals the heart from the soul and that it requires a lot of courage to get that back, right? To rescue the heart from the ego. And, you know, and at the end of the Ramayana, you realize that the ego, Ravana, you know, wasn't all that bad, you know? Um, like there's, at the end of the Ramayana, there's this letter. Well, before the battle, uh, one of Ravana's demons gives this envelope and this, st this stone envelope to Ram and says, open this at the end of the battle, which is very interesting because um, that indicates, that's like foreshadowing that Ram wins, right? And of course Ram wins. But Ram, who's an incarnation of Vishnu, the interesting thing about that is Ram doesn't know he's Vishnu Narayan, the face on the water. He doesn't know that that's, you know, it's like he takes birth and forgets. Like early in the story, also Hanuman forgets that he was actually, that he has these amazing yogic powers because uh, Vayu, the wind god, is actually his dad, you know, which also makes him later on the older brother of Bhima. Uh, in the Mahabharata, Arjuna's brother who represents strength and these other things. So, um, you know, so you have this whole idea of hidden divinity, hidden power, you know, internal personal power that you haven't, you have yet to realize. But even Ravana, the ego, the demon king, knows that Ram is Vishnu in the Ryan. And so he has this, he writes this letter and sends it to him. That's foreshadowing, like I said, that, that Ram is going to win and Ravana is going to perish. And so um, <clears throat> the end of the battle happens and Ram cracks open the stone envelope and reads it. And it's Ravana going, look, I was never going to hurt her, Sita. I was never going to hurt her, but it was the only way I could get you to take me. You know, because I was just a demon and you're Ram, you're Vishnu, you're Narayan, you are the face that moves across the water and I was just this lowly demon and the only way you were going to take me was if I had you kill me 
And it's this whole beautiful letter at the end of this thing. And the ego doesn't mean to hurt the heart. It's just scared. You know, it's like the whole thing wants to go home. So these stories, you start reading them, the allegorical meaning of these things, like even the Bible, that Jesus represents the the highest potential of mankind and, you know, the devil or Satan or whatever represents the lower nature of mankind. And there's a lot of thicker allegory there when they start referring to you know, the, the word Lucifer means morning star, the uh, light bringer, you know, and is associated with Venus, the morning star. Like, you know, and then uh, Jesus also gets referred to as the morning star. And then you start to realize that this is all just, you know, that the God, God and the devil are one and the same. And just it depends on where you're standing sometimes. And um, that it's two sides of the same coin. And if you don't understand that, I think it's uh, Aldous, is it Aldous Huxley? that said that if you don't understand that, then you don't understand me. I don't know. But anyway, so allegory is this way of really enriching your understanding of these things. It's very basic and and dull thinking to just take it literal. It's like, that's how we end up with, I don't know, fucking Republicans. (laughs) Um... I wouldn't characterize myself as a conservative or a liberal. Um, if I had to, somebody put a gun in, to my head and said, pick a side, I'd pick anarchist and just have them blow my fucking brains out. But, um, so, um, you look at the Gita and understand that Krishna is you. Because Krishna says, you're all my part and parcels. And there's the super soul within all human beings that is Krishna, God. And that once you start understanding that when Krishna says what he's saying to Arjuna, he is Arjuna and Arjuna is him. And, you know, um, anyway, so you start to look at these things as allegory, even within Buddhism, um, death happens every day to you. Death happens to me, um, You know, I wake up and I feel one way and then certain things happen and I die to the old self. I die to that moment and I move into the next moment. And when I incarnate into the next moment, it's the result of the previous present moment. I'm constantly bringing this with me. I'm constantly you know, changing. Like there is, I was telling a story in group yesterday to some clients and I said, you know, Keith at that time, that incarnation had that reaction. This incarnation of Keith would have looked at the person and said, you're out of your fucking mind. (laughs) Go kick rocks. You know, I wouldn't have put up with that sort of behavior. I wouldn't have subjected myself to that sort of emasculating degradation. But at the time, my belief in myself was such dog shit. And my opinion of me was so bad that I put up with it. That I was um, okay with being treated that way. You know, and now, of course, that's, you know, not going to fly in this birth. You know, right now I'm, uh, I'm, I've, uh, you know, it's interesting is when you get into, um, 
like the different the idea of lokas in Vedic cosmology like you die and you ascend to this one or this one and you read about these or, or digress into certain ones and when you start to read about what these lokas you know what life would be like on this plane or this plane you see that you move through these all the time you know um, it's interesting I wonder like when we talk about the realm of the gods where it's like you know when like in Buddhism the idea is that if you ascend to this this is what I was taught in that you know when you're going to die and now you have to and you know how you're going to die now you have to live with that knowledge and I don't know it's instead of being present to what is you're kind of you know it's just I just feel like we experience all of these births in one lifetime within one body you know um, Keith as a relative concept you know identity is relational and uh, self-concept is relational who you believe you are based on the responses you get from others and you know that uh, that's that changes right um, like I mentioned there was a time where my self-concept was such shit you know that I, I didn't have a belief in me I didn't have you know it's a I was having a hard time you know and it was due to you know the behavior of those around me but, but also it's not just that they're treating me bad where was my mind how was my mind receiving that information so then you find out it's not them it's you who we believe we are based on the responses we get from others is one way to think of that. Who we believe we are based on the way our mind is processing that, that's karma. You don't keep inviting people into your life that are shit because you have bad karma and this is your punishment. It's because your mind allows it really your mind feels your mind relaxes here's one we look at your mind relaxes your nervous system around these people and tightens up your nervous system around these other people and for some of us you your nervous system tightens up when it's around these good people and it relaxes when it's around these shit people well, why would that be the case? Well, maybe it's because you feel like you're less than. Maybe you feel relaxed around these people because you know you don't, you know, you know you're the smartest person in the room, so you feel more confident as opposed to not knowing that you're the smartest person and being around these really intelligent, thoughtful people. It's like, well, I don't know if I'm good enough for these people. And that's one way to look at it. You know, but when you start to see things as kind of formulas, equations, and then you pop certain variables in and out of them and you see that it's all just this, this plus this equals this. And that's karma. Predisposition of the mind to attraction and aversion. The grasping and clinging. 
you know, I, I hate how dehydrated I am. I wish I was more hydrated. I don't drink water. Your dehydration, the situation that you're not happy with is the result of you not drinking water. Yeah, well, I hate water and I'm not going to drink it. Okay, well, then uh, I guess you're just going to have to be dehydrated. Well, I don't want to be dehydrated. Okay, well, then you're going to have to drink some water. But I don't want to drink water. And that's, that's karma. That's it. That dumb fucking thing I just described, that's karma. That's it. You know, it's not going to change with a full moon. I saw that one time with one of these fucking moons that, you know, this, this moon is for cleansing karma. No, it won't. It fucking literally will not. Like, that's not how this is going to work. Um, and maybe that's an allegory for something, but I got news for you. If that's your thing, y'all that are pushing this shit, you're not being real clear about what the allegory is. You're being quite literal with it. And that's why these people are shoving pink quartz up their own ass and holding a tuning fork on their forehead and waiting for the next big pink moon to change their lives. That's not how karma works. Unfortunately, that probably plays into your samskara. So that's an issue. And look, I do understand the importance of astrological phenomena. I mean, my, my chart is me. That's my personality. But that personality has two sides to it and I can learn to be skillfully a Gemini with a Cancer moon or I can be unskillfully a Gemini with a Cancer moon right Um, karma predisposition of the mind to attraction and aversion Uh, you want a a better a better birth you gotta change your karma okay well those are the rules Right? So if I have to change my karma, my attractions and aversions to get a better birth, one way you could see that is in this present moment, my attractions and aversions are going to lead me to a, a, a certain experience in the next present moment. Think about that. The attractions and aversions that I have or experience in this present moment are going to result in a certain experience in the next present moment. Now, if I change those attractions and aversions in this present moment, then I take birth into the next present moment with a better or worse situation. I hope this makes sense. I think it does. I don't know. Again, if I say something crazy, fucking say something. Don't let me get away with that. Um, I, uh, you know, sometimes just start to rattle on and you know, see where it lands. So multiple lives, one body, well, one perceivable body. We know that it's not the same body, that it changes. Um, but yeah, that's it. Reach out, holler at me. If you want to support this, go to theinfinitesparkofbean.com, buy a t-shirt, buy a book. Um, get on the Patreon and uh, book three is on its way. Um, I'm very excited. Okay. Um, call me if you want to talk. You know how to get a hold of me. DM me. Uh, a lot of you know that I will call you if you want me to. I'm not afraid. You can talk. Okay. I love you. Bye. Bye.